Well, we're going to wrap up our series today, but next week we're going to start a series uh, on loneliness uh, and how loneliness, I think, is this silent epidemic. Um, it's interesting as I listen to NPR, as I read um, non-religious writings, uh, the epidemic of loneliness, uh, mental health, uh, suicide, um, the, the idea of being alone, of not fitting in, um, it's real. And maybe you've experienced that. It's not the idea of being alone in the sense of no one being around you, but you can be in a space with other people and just feel like maybe you don't belong, uh, that no one's connected to you. And often in times of difficulties is when we feel the most lonely. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to look at this idea of the pain of loneliness, uh, being surprised by loneliness, how we have courage and begin to deal with our loneliness. And so I hope you'll come next week. I pray that it will be a series that can give hope to all of us. Well, we're going to wrap up today our series called Half Truths. We've been looking at these statements that we have been told, uh, that we tell others, that we have believed about God, but, but really aren't completely true. And so we're trying to pay attention to these things. We're trying to figure out how they have impacted or can impact our lives. For those of you who were gone last week on Labor Day, uh, on the Labor Day weekend, we had a bonus uh, message. You missed it. And, uh, but if you uh, want to listen to it, you can go back and listen to it on YouTube. Uh, it was Love the Sinner and Hate the Sin. And so I, I hope you'll go back and check that out. If you've missed any of them, God wants you to be happy. Uh, God helps those who help themselves, or God will give you more than you can handle. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those on our channel. You can find that in the bulletin. Um, this statement that we're going to look at today really is the one that kind of caused me to do it. I was reading through a memoir uh, called Everything Happens for a Reason, and I thought, man, how many times have I believed that or thought that? How many times have I said that to myself or even said that to someone else? How many people have told me that as they share their story and the pain they're going through, and then they will often end it with, well, I know everything happens for a reason. But as I hear that statement, and, and the more I would say it and think about it, I begin to think, I'm just not sure that's completely true. I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever been through a season where life is just chaotic. It just feels like there are so many difficult things that are, are going on in, in your life. Uh, I've shared some stories of when I lived in California and I was ministering to, I was a junior high pastor, and I predominantly, with the boys I worked with, were skaters and surfers. Uh, I would take the boys skating. I would watch them skate. Uh, I wanted to not break my neck. And so I would often watch them skate. Uh, but then a lot of my boys would surf. And they would always want me to go surf with them. And so uh, what I would do is I would get a bodyboard and I would just go float in the water with these uh, boys. But I remember one morning um, that the couple of my main boys who surfed called me and said in their language, Kyle, dude. The waves are two feet overhead. We have to go charge them. Okay, whatever you say. Um, I'm, I'm with you and uh, whatever you want to, uh, to do. And so I go out that day with these boys and immediately regretted it. Uh, it was the largest waves I've ever seen, the largest I've ever been in the water uh, with. Uh, I'm not a great swimmer, which those do not go well together. And the boys would often just leave me. So as we get to the water, they would take off and get out there, and it would take me forever. And if you've never been in the water, the goal is to get past where the waves are breaking, right? You, you've just got to get out into the flat water, uh, and they'll break past you. Uh, but the waves were so big that day, it was so hard for me to get out there. And I believed I had gotten to the place where they were no longer coming. Um, and I actually was in the place where they were going to break on me. 
And I remember it like it was yesterday that the, the wave comes in and crashes on me and it sends me underwater. And if you've ever been underwater under a big wave, it is a complete loss uh, of control. Uh, you, you cannot fight against it. Uh, you have uh, no idea where up is or down or how to get out of it. And I remember in those moments really feeling like I'm not getting out of this. And I remember getting back and surfacing to the top of the water and looking around and seeing no one. Uh, no one's coming to help. No one probably even knows the pain that I'm going through or the fear that I'm experiencing. And then wave after wave, they would crash in on me. Uh, finally, it pushed me into the pier and into a post on the pier. And I remember just holding on to this post. And I remember in that moment, I just needed something secure to hold on to. Right? I just needed something that was going to get me through this difficult time. And I held on until I had the strength to make my way through the pier and back onto shore. But it was in these desperate times after wave, after wave came and out of control and it seemed what uh, was chaotic and not knowing how to get out. I knew that I needed something to hold on to. And my thought is with this statement, this is one of those things that I think we say because we just need something to hold on to. When thing is so, things are so hard, if we can just believe that there has to be a reason for this pain, that there has to be a reason for this suffering, for trials, for the bad news, there has to be a reason for it. And so it's our thing often that we hold on to. And it's the thing that we believe will get us through the next trial or storm or difficult thing. And maybe you're not a Christian, but I think when we say this as Christians, what we're ultimately saying is God is doing this for a reason. God is doing this for a reason. And maybe you're not a Christian, but maybe you would say things, well, this is just what's meant to be. Or you might say, this just can't be a coincidence. Or some people believe in karma, where I'm going to do good and good is going to come. And if I've done bad, then bad comes, that there's a reason for it. And so what I believe is we are missing it in a couple of ways. It's most of the time in these times of suffering, either for ourselves or for someone else, that we make this statement. Sometimes they're little things. Uh, sometimes we get the flat tire and we begin to believe, well, maybe this happened for a reason. I'm going to avoid something now because I had a flat tire or I ran out of gas or I missed the flight. And so sometimes it's small things and we begin to believe, well, maybe God is behind everything. Every single thing that happens, God is behind. Or we look at big things. We look at the loss of a child. We, we look at divorce either for ourselves or for someone close to us. Or sickness or the results of a test. Or there's another story of a mass shooting or we see horrible cases of child abuse. And so we begin to wrestle and not knowing what to say, we might believe, well, then everything happens for a reason. I mean, we could go through the list, right? We could go through the things in our world that are the worst of the worst. Whether it's the Holocaust or it's slavery in our own country, we, we could see those things and we could say, well, everything happens for a reason. There was a reason that that happened. And in saying that, I believe we're giving God the credit or attributing him for the reason. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in a difficult place, and I'm needing comfort, these words that everything happens for a reason has not always been the most comforting. What people often mean to help me draw near to God often have pushed me 
away. And so at this point, when we use these words and we begin to tell people, well, there is a reason for this. I think it's hard at that moment to then point them back to a God who loves them, who is with them, who is near to them. And so I want to share a couple of big ideas, and then I give you a couple things that I believe to be true. Uh, The first one we have to believe and understand is there is a personal responsibility to our lives. If we believe everything happens for a reason, then we're eliminating our own responsibility. For instance, and this is not true, but if I cheat on my wife, if I cheat on my wife, well, there must have been a reason for that. And then if my kids suffer and my wife suffers and it leads to divorce, well, there is a reason for that. If I see my kids less and then they resent me and then they have pain for the rest of their life, well, everything happens for a reason. If we do that, we're eliminating our own responsibility in the choices that we've made. That we believe that we have free will. That we believe we get to choose a lot of the things in our lives. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible around you somewhere. Uh, We're going to look at a couple scriptures from the very beginning of God's story, uh, and we're going to end with something from the very end, and hopefully bookmark or bookend uh, both of these with with truth. Uh, We see in Genesis 2, 15 through 17, we see this. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Look, Adam, you can have whatever you want. It is all good. You can, you can partake and you can eat as much as you want, but there's that one tree. Just don't eat from it. And in doing that, God enabled Adam to make a choice. He gave Adam the, the free will to decide what he would do. In Genesis 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent, the enemy of God, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. It was in this moment when the enemy of God brings a temptation to Eve and to Adam that they got to decide. It was not forced on them. They got to choose what they would do. And then there were consequences from those decisions. The choices led to outcomes. And so sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes bad things happen in our lives because of the decisions we've made or the decisions of those around us. This is free will. Whether it's God who tells you what's best and you should do or another person, it it often comes back to ourselves. What will we decide? 
Uh, I was young, I was maybe five or six, and I was just starting to play baseball, and it was one of those, if you've ever played or you have kids who play, the coach simply says, hey, run to that tree and back. And so as uh, a little boy, we all take off running, and we're running as hard as we can, and, and I get there, and I turn around, and when I turn around, there's another little boy behind me, and we hit heads. Uh, no big deal for the most part, uh, except for the fact that it busts both of us wide open. So uh, I have a scar still today, uh, 35 years, almost 35 years later, 34 years later, right here from where I hit this kid's head. Uh, the other kid hit his up top and we're taken to the hospital and stitches, lots of stitches, lots of blood. And, and we begin to recover and, and my stitches are taken out. And I remember the doctor says, you have to be careful. You have to be careful with what you do. And so I had gotten home and I asked my dad, hey, can I go throw a ball against the wall? I don't know if any of you that didn't have maybe uh, siblings who uh, were around your age or want to do, man, I, I used to throw a ball against the wall all the time. And my dad says, don't throw any balls, right? Uh, don't, don't throw anything. You can go outside and play around, but, but stay away from anything that might hurt you. And of course, what do I do? I grab a ball and I begin to throw it against a, a wall. And I threw it hard, the ball comes back at me, and as I begin to try and catch it or deflect it, I hit myself uh, in my incision, and it busts open again. And I'll never forget, right? And some of you as parents have said these words to your kids, I told you, right? I told you. But it doesn't matter what people tell us. It doesn't matter if we know what's best. We make decisions for ourselves, we will decide what path we want to take. And a lot of times, the things that happen, not always, but a lot of times, the difficult things that happen in our lives are because of our choices or the choices of the people around us. And see, I would say as a side note, the, the idea of free will is a gift. It is a gift from God in the sense of this is a, a way that he loves us. God will never demand that you love him or follow him. He's not created robots, but followers, uh, people who will choose for themselves if they want to follow him. We get to decide whether we accept that grace and forgiveness or not. And so we see this. We see this with Adam and Eve, that they are told what they should do and what they shouldn't do, and they decide for themselves, and there are consequences. We see the responsibility that God gives to Adam and Eve and to the rest of us in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Even in that moment, God is saying, look, you have a responsibility for what happens in our world. That you play a part in all of this. And so part of being human is making choices. We can choose to do good and follow God or we can turn away. And both carry certain results. When we see God speaking to his people before they cross into the promised land, and, and we see that he gives them these words in Deuteronomy 30, Verse 11, it says this. Now what, am I, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? 
nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity and death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, his decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and to possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now not everything is in our control. Right? Some of the pain you're experiencing right now is completely out of your hands. But a lot of the things that we want to attribute and say that there's a reason for this, the reason comes back to some of our responsibility. And he's saying to these people and he's saying to us that we get to decide whether or not we will choose life, to choose God in his ways and love and serve him, or if we'll go our own way, if we'll choose to disobey, if we'll choose death. I mean, why even give this offer if they can't really choose? Right? Why, why would the offer be given if they have no choice in all of it? Uh, as I, my kids, uh, my wife's not in here, and so I can share this uh, story for a, a few moments. Um, but every year we decorate two Christmas trees. And we have a tree in the basement that few people see. Um, that we really just kind of throw ornaments on. It's the ornaments my kids have made and ornaments from our childhood. And we will cover this tree where you barely see any more of the tree, but that's the tree in the basement. And then we have the tree upstairs that is the nice tree, right? It's the tree we go and cut down and we put up and my kids want to help decorate as well. And so my wife will generously um, and usually let my kids help her decorate. But I also know that she will often take things down that my kids uh, put up to be able to move them, right? She gives the invitation for us to help, uh, but she has a picture and an idea of what she wants it to look like. She says she wants our help, but ultimately she doesn't, right? Um, And so here's, here's what I believe about God. God is not forcing you to do anything. He, He is allowing you to choose the path you will take. That the path of life or the path of destruction, you get to decide. You, you get to choose. And there are results to those decisions and the decisions of others. And sometimes those results are a lot of pain and a lot of hurt and a lot of wondering why it's happening. So we have our responsibility. And then we have God's responsibility in this. So let's just put into language uh, what we're saying when we say everything happens for a reason specifically as followers of Jesus, because usually what we're saying is, because we're trying to make sense of the situation that doesn't make sense, is that God is behind this, that God is doing this. And so if we think of extreme situations, whether it's murder or child or spouse abuse, or if it's war or a terror attack, 
If we believe everything happens for a reason, we're saying that God is behind and responsible for all of these things. And many of those things come in direct conflict with personal responsibility. So as we think about this and we think about God's responsibility, we kind of have two pictures we could come up with. One is God as this puppet master. There's a picture of this idea of uh, what, what that might look like. There's no picture. Sorry, my fault. <laughs> Everything happens for a reason, so maybe that's not supposed to be, uh, be shown. Uh, but you know the puppets that have the strings, and if we have this view of God out there, up there somewhere, that is controlling every action of every person, then we see God as simply as a puppet master. And if that is what we believe, then the decisions we make really don't matter. So whether you buckle your seatbelt or not, doesn't really matter. Uh, whether you diet and exercise and take care of your body, eh, doesn't really matter. If you get cancer, why, why seek medical help? If all of this, if there is a reason behind all of it, we're just seeing God as this puppet master. Or we see God as this absentee landlord where he gets us into the place where we need to be, but then he's nowhere to be found. Where things break and the pain comes and we can't find him and we wonder if he is near to us. And it creates these black holes where we feel like God is not present or involved. If we really believe this, if we really think that God has created and walked away, if we think he is absent and not involved, then God would not be showing up in the stories throughout the scriptures. He shows up and he rescues the Israelites. He is a part of the story of rescue and redeeming a group of people. He wouldn't speak to the people in the Old Testament about the coming of Jesus and how there is one who will come and rescue. Or he wouldn't send Jesus at all. We know that God is intimately involved in our lives. So God is not the puppet master who is making everything happen. And he's also not the absentee landlord who we never see or communicate with. We know that God is engaged and involved in our world, that he leads us and he guides us. But we know we don't always understand why things are happening. I mean, wouldn't it be good sometimes if we knew God was at times almost the puppet master who would come in and make things happen as we want them to. And so I, I don't have easy words for you today. I don't know why God sometimes works miracles and he heals people and he saves people when they're near death and why sometimes he doesn't. But in all of this, we believe that God is near to us as we have sang and said over and over this morning. And so if you have believed this idea that there is a reason for everything, that everything happens for a reason, and you have attributed those things to God, then there's a couple things that might happen in that. You, you might begin to believe that maybe God is punishing you. That if I had just been better, if I would have just done the right thing, then I wouldn't have got sick or my kids wouldn't have got sick. And so we take responsibility for a lot of the pain that happens in our world that are completely out of our hands. And so I want you to believe that God loves you, that his spirit dwells in you, and that in the worst parts of your lives, when you're wondering the reason what's 
the reason behind what's going on, maybe there isn't a great reason. Maybe sometimes things happen, but, but there, are some tr there is some truth to these statements and what I want you to know. The first one is, I don't believe God orchestrates evil. That God doesn't make evil happen. Uh, Matthew 7, 7 through 11, this is Jesus, and he's talking about the Father, and he's talking about God. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and who who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And then it says this, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, meaning you're not a perfect father specifically, know how to give good gifts to your children, we want to give our kids good things, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God is not up there hearing our prayers thinking, I know what you want, but I'm going to give you something different. He is not going to orchestrate evil in our Lives. Listen, these, these aren't going to be on the screen, but just a couple of things. Genesis 1.31, God declares everything he created as good. He creates and his response is, that is good. That God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. James 1.13, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. There is no evil in God. God is not orchestrating the evil or the problems that are happening in your Lives And God is not the author of confusion. Or another translation, it says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. When things are evil, when there's pain, when there is sickness, when there is death and there is loss, when there is catastrophes, be careful to attribute those things to God. Because we see here that God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. We begin to wrestle with the question, well, then why do those things happen? Why do those things happen? Well, the second thing, uh, we live in a broken world which leads to broken people and broken things. Broken people and broken things. We know people hurt people. Uh, we, we know people destroy relationships. We know people make decisions that don't lead to life for themselves or others. But this doesn't mean there's a reason for it. People get sick and they die. There is disease and there is hurt, but this does not mean that God has orchestrated it. And again, I won't give you easy answers. I wish I could. Can, can, I, just, can I just say something as I, I met with a couple this week and we kind of begin to talk about just some pain and some things in their, their life. We're too quick to give answers sometimes. And so can I just encourage you if people are in pain around you, don't feel like you have to come up with answers. So, sometimes the things you want to say to hurt really, or to help really just hurt. Just be present. Just be with people. Just tell them you're sorry. Uh, there was a funeral here on Wednesday. It was probably the, there was probably more people in this building than there ever has been. It was the young 22-year-old boy that drove off into the river at Riverport. Um, and I was in my office, and you could hear what I heard later was the mom just weeping. Just weeping. And you've either experienced that loss and the pain, the indescribable amount of pain. 
And this woman in those moments was experiencing that. And what she doesn't need in those moments are empty words. She just needs people's presence. So if you know someone who is going through something, if they are hurting, just ask if they want to be with someone. Just say you're sorry. Cook them a meal. But, but don't feel like you always have to have answers. We see in the scriptures time and time again, it's the presence of Jesus in people's lives that is what is rescuing and bringing hope to them. And so we live in this broken world that leads to broken people and broken things. And there is pain all around us. But this is what I cling to. And that's this, that God doesn't plan our pain or take pleasure in our pain, but he did promise to be present in our pain. That God doesn't plan our pain or take pleasure in our pain, but he did promise to be present in our pain. I don't believe that everything happens in our lives uh, for a reason, but I do think there are some reasons and some things that come out of the pain in our lives. That sometimes things will happen and the reason is for our good or for the good of others. That God can work out things for our good. It doesn't mean that bad things don't happen. Romans 8, 26 through 28. Uh, in the message, this guy named Eugene Peterson, uh, he was working with a group of people um, who was having a hard time understanding the scriptures and the language, so he kind of wrote it in a street language. We need to listen to this, Romans 8, 26 through 28, as we think about the pain in our lives and how God is still good in the midst of those and he is near to us. It says this, Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. I, I, just, I want to stop for a second. I don't know if you've been in that moment where... Um, things are really, real difficult and you feel like you should pray? Like there's this expectation for someone to pray. And as a pastor, I'm kind of the one who has often volunteered uh, to do that. And there have been moments where I've stood in rooms with people where I just didn't know what to say. And this scripture is so comforting to me that the spirit of God that is in us prays for us that our wordless sighs and our aching groans are heard by God. It says he knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, the things that are inside of us, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. That as difficult things happen, that those every things that come up in our life that somehow, possibly, there could be good that comes from it. There's a big difference in those two statements. In the statement that everything happens for a reason, and this idea that God could bring something good out of it. Just real quickly, maybe you know the story of Joseph. I would encourage you to go back and read the story of Joseph. Uh, Joseph is a young man, uh, the youngest of 11. Uh, he is favored by his father. His father gives him a beautiful coat that he loves to wear and show off to his brothers uh, that his brothers are not too fond of. Uh, Joseph has a dream, and in this dream, he thinks it's a good idea to go and tell his brothers about this dream that he has. And in this dream, he sees 
this wheat, these uh, groups of wheat, uh, bowing down to his wheat. And then he has a dream where the, the sun and the moon and all of these stars are recognizing him and bowing down to him. And he tells his brothers this. And let's just say the brothers aren't too happy, aren't too excited about the dreams that Joseph has and how Joseph sees himself. And so they plan to kill him and then they end up throwing him in a pit and then they sell him to slavery. Now here's what's interesting in this story. Uh, There was a lot of decisions that people got to make in this story. The way things are handled, there was personal responsibility in these things. Uh, He gets sold into slavery and time after time in the scriptures as difficult things happen, the scriptures say that God was near to Joseph. That God was not leaving Joseph on his alone, alone, although there had been some responsibility that put him in that place. That God was still near to him. That God was still with him. Uh, He he gets put in some different positions and then good comes from what has happened in his life. Good comes from the story. And so in there, it says what the enemy intended for evil, but God has meant it or is using it for good. And so as you have these things happen in your life, as you may begin to be quick to say, well, everything happens for a reason, maybe we can begin to say, maybe God can do something in the midst of this pain and this hurt, that maybe good could come from it. That when we don't know in those moments what the good is, that maybe eventually, that, that I'm not saying that when you hear the worst news you've ever heard, that you immediately begin to think, okay, well, what good can come from this? But this long journey for Joseph, long journey for Joseph, in the end, there is good that comes from what has happened to him. And so as you pray for people, as you think about the pain in your own lives, begin to pray, God, would you bring good from this horrible moment? Would people be drawn to you? Would lives be changed? Would people see hope in the most hopeless of situations? Maybe, maybe good could come from what is happening. But in all of this, none of this is the final word. So whether it's kids getting cancer or divorce that happens in our lives or murder or car crashes, whatever those things are, those things are not the final word as followers of Jesus that we have a hope that things could be different here and now, but ultimately we're clinging to a hope of eternity. Revelation 21, four says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. He will be his people, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Here's our hope. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And so as we experience pain and hurt, in our lives, we begin to cling to this idea that there is a hope in eternity. This idea that even as we go through things now that God has not planned in the sense he's not orchestrating the evil that happens in your life, that as things are allowed to happen, 
as free will is a part of our stories, as those painful things come, we can do a couple things. We believe that God is with us and near to us. Those really difficult things. That brings me hope way more than thinking that everything happens for a reason. And secondly, we begin to pray and hope that good can come. That good can come from the painful stories that we're encountering in our lives. And we plead with God. We pray to God that that would happen in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Greg's going to come and lead us in our last song. I don't know what this series has done for you. It's been helpful to me. And as I often speak and study, uh, God is always doing things in my life. But there was kind of this theme that came out of this for me. And I've said it over and over today. We have sang about it. And that is this idea of God being with us. And so as we sing and close this morning, I just want to make sure that all of you have an opportunity to kind of take a few moments. Greg can play. Um, but just for yourself to say, you know what? I want to believe that for myself. That there's a purpose to my life. That as things come up, God is going to make things work for good. That there's forgiveness and there's hope. We believe things can change here and now, but ultimately, God is preparing a place. There's no more tears and no more pain, no more mourning, no more death. That's what we cling to. So I'm going to pray for us. And in these moments, if that's you, that's a conversation you can have with God. That you believe in him. You accept his forgiveness. That you want to follow him. You get to decide. It's the gift of being able to choose the love he has for us. Would you pray with me and we'll see. God, this is one of those moments um, as I think about pain that I know in, in those lives around me. I wish I had some easy answers. I wish we did have some reasons why things happen. But Lord, I know there's not always clear reasons. That there's pain and hurt all around us. But I pray for my friends, for my family, that they could cling to hope cling to hope in times where things are hopeless. We pray, Father, that good can come out of some of those situations. That we know you haven't abandoned us. That you're with us. God, I pray for my friends today who have maybe never fully believed in who you are and what you've done for us. I pray that in these moments they believe. They acknowledge their need for you, the the condition of our heart, how we rebel against you and in the midst of all that, that there's forgiveness. God, I'm thankful that you know us, you know all the things in our past and all the things in our future. And that yet, while we are in the midst of all of that, you had sent Jesus to die for us. I pray that many of my friends today who have never believed that except or accepted that would believe that today and they will put their hope in eternity. God, we long for that. We long for the moments of no more tears or pain or death or mourning. God, would you help us where we're at today? I pray all this in Jesus' name.